0: independent totally biased hulk kingston rovers welcome to the red robin podcast with joe appleyard and chris johnson Hello and welcome to the very first Red Robin podcast. In this episode, we'll be discussing how the podcast came about. Me and Joe will bore you with how we came to support the 11th best team in Super League. We'll also use our distinctly average analytical skills to look at why we finished bottom of the Super League table in 2020 before casting an eye over the club's ambitious close season player recruitment drive. Me and Joe will have a chat about with the return of Paul Lakin. Before bringing the curtain down on episode one with mine and Joe's one to seventeen, this is the Red Robin podcast with Joe Appleyard and Chris Johnson. The Red Robin podcast is something we're both, you know, extremely excited about. But what was your motivation to, to get this set up? Um, well obviously it was your
1: idea, wasn't it, mate? And you know, for all our listeners, welcome. First ever episode of Red Robin Podcast. Um, really excited about it. You know, I've always loved, you know, going into, you know, stats and details about the club. And obviously a few people know that I worked from um, a few years ago um and last season as well, doing commentary and roundup live. And for me, just wanted to go a bit more independent. And when you came up with the idea, Chris, and you know, messaged me see if I was on board, you know, 100 percent I think Especially this club, it needs an independent voice and that's what we've spoke about. And, you know, the past three weeks since we announced that we was doing it, you know, there's been some great responses and I'm just looking forward to season starting getting into detail about, OK, I'm mixing it up and having that voice for the fans and for them to have their opinions and for me and you to discuss what's happening with the club because there's so much that needs to be discussed and that can be talked about. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we stay the only podcast about all Kingston Rovers. You know, we want people to listen, we want the following to get up, but just really exciting. And I think 2021, there's a lot of optimism within the club. I know we do say that every year, um, but and I think we can work really well alongside, hopefully, a successful season.
0: Yeah, I think I think you know. Let, let's be honest. The club have made some great strides, haven't they, over the last few years in in how they've communicated with fans and and the content what they've put out there to to make the club as accessible as possible. Um, and obviously, you you've been involved in that. And we've had you know past history with with Phil Barrett on OKR, um Old Kingston Radio, you know. And and it's great that these these opportunities been presented. But I, I thought it was really important that um, I'd, almost the club has a critical friend in that. You know, we don't want this to be a, a negative podcast. We want this to be positive. You know, we're, we're all Kingston Rovers supporters. We want the best for the club. We want the club to be successful. Um, so that's why I thought it was really important that fans have the opportunity to come on and speak. And um, you know, when when we once the the podcast gets you know launched, we've got a few more episodes under our belt. There'll be opportunity for fans to come on um, each week, different fans, people voice their opinions. There's opportunity for people to message us. You know, talk about what they. So we talk about what they want to talk about, and that's what we want to increase is that interaction. But first and foremost, we want this to be a positive, positive podcast, don't we?
1: Yeah, we do indeed, um, you know, just to cover what you've said though. you know, I think a few people as well last season, you know, saw me as the negative one on the commentary and on Roundup, but, you know, let's be realistic, they haven't been, you know, the one much positives in 2020 in life and with, to do with all Kingston Rovers, but I think we need to be that middleman, don't we, Chris, you know, fans are so important for every rugby league club and I think all KR fans, you know, we are biased, but... You know, the one of their own, and we want people to come on and discuss what's happening with the club. And you know, I think that's how we're going to get the viewers in. You know, do it like a bit of a talk show as well, so we can after games or before games, we can get their opinions. And if it's not working on the pitch, we want to know why the fans think that is. And that's the thing we want to be serious in a fact where you know we're giving right information, and we want people to listen to us and go. You know, you know they know what they're talking about. But we want fans to come on and we want it to be lenient, and you know we want to be honest. That's the main thing in it now. I think because we're honest about it. Sorry, Chris. It's you know I think that's the main thing for me and you. We just want people to understand our feelings and you know our expressions towards the club.
0: Yeah, and and you know any any criticisms that are levelled, any 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 opinions that we have, are coming from a good place. At the end of the day, they're not you know like you said, we want the club to be successful, and where all we're doing is giving our views on on first of all what's happening on the pitch. What's happening off the pitch, and any any improvements that our supporters we feel that the club can make. But you know, like you said, first and foremost, we you know, we're we're supporters of the club, so we don't see any any point coming on and and being over negative. That said, there's a fine balance between um, sugarcoating things and reality. And and unfortunately, for the past few seasons, the club have been struggling on the pitch, whilst you could argue it's been quite successful off it. So you know we we've got to be remind supporters and we've got to rem- remind people listening to the podcast that um, these are our opinions about the, about the club about the team and and it is coming from a good place but also we're not um, we're not cheerleaders we're, we're going to be honest about about how we feel and, and, and what we say.
1: Yeah, we are 100%. You know, you hit the nail on the head there. You know, we want things to be going right. We want to be positive all the time, but we know that's not going to happen supporting LKR. And, you know, we're just going to be totally honest with the fans and we want you to be honest with us. You know, any opinions, any tips once you've started listening to our podcast. And I totally agree with what you said about the club's doing so much right off the field, you know, with the new CEO, Paul Lakin, and stuff like that, which we'll discuss in the next few parts of the show. But I just think if we can get it right on the pitch, Okay, it's a breeding ground for success with the talks about the stadium and all stuff like that that we'll go into. And hopefully we can start this podcast and it becomes as successful as we can be on the um on the pitch, mate, because you know, we're missing some at the minute, aren't we? And hopefully with the signings and with a new um assistant Danny Maguire and Tony Smith, we are heading in the right direction. And I'm really looking forward to starting this podcast. You know, we want it to become, you know, huge I've done a bit with All City as well on um, Tigers, Tigers, blah, blah, blah. We want to meet old P.E. teachers, actually, from a few years ago. And that's, you know, it's 28, um, list, 28 countries. You know, they have people listening in now, Chris. And, you know, they're getting over 7,500 views on each one. And if we can get there, I know football's a bit bigger than rugby league. But in Hull, you know, the amount of fans, both Rovers and Hull have got as well. I mean, I'm sure we'll get some listeners from other clubs, hopefully. Um, and we just want to start, you know, a bit of a a revolution in the fact that we can be the first all kr podcast and in five years' time, you know, we can be really big and, you know, bring some really good shows and we want to mix it up, don't we? You know, in the intro, you mentioned that we're going to be speaking to like ex-players and stuff as well. We're not going to mention names, but we've got some stuff in the pipeline and I think if we can get ex-players on and be honest, you know, about how their time at the club was and speak about that. That That's the way we're going to get viewers up, aren't we? We don't want it to be, you know, repetitive and just previewing games and talking about how we can be better. If we can put silly stuff in between and mix it up by getting people on the show, you know, I think, it, you know, it's a re- recipe for success. Yeah, excellent, Joe. So, what,
0: so let people know, where, how did your uh, your Rovers love affair kick off?
1: A love affair? I've divorced the club about <laughs> 10 times, mate. Um, so, yeah, basically... Born in 1997, first game against Charlie in 1998, about four months after I was born. Always supported the club, mate. Fa- massive family, and um, for me, still all Rovers fans. Um, and me and you, for people should know, me and you are technically related in a way, Chris. So yeah. our families have crossed over <laughs> yeah. sometimes, yeah. so we can bring that family orientation to it. But yeah, always gone. Um, went through the dark days, the early 2000s. Um, in the West Stand, 2006, obviously that promotion with my granddad, mum and dad, brilliant times. Um, managed to sign for the club, played rugby all my life, signed for the club from um, Westall in 2013, captained the under-15s and 16s, signed a two-year deal with the academy in 2015. Um, and unfortunately, it was part of that time when things bit of a mismatch at the club in 2015, obviously getting to Wembley, you know, the record defeat and, you know, finding out that we weren't going to have an academy team the year after. Um, So I'll be honest, fell out of love with the club and um, especially in that relegation season of 2016, um, actually left the club, went to go play in League One for Newcastle Thunder, um, made out of chocolate, which obviously a lot of people know, had a few injuries, tried to make it in Australia, um, played a few games out there for Mackay, um, the feeder team for the Cowboys just couldn't get back into it with my ankle injury, mate, and come back. And then obviously started doing Ulkingston Radio with, um, you know, yourself, a few other people, Phil Barrett, ady Brown. And then the money fell out there, actually, which was unfortunate because we really liked doing the commentary for that radio station. And then the club just messaged us, say they wanted to do a talk show. um, And we tried commentary, but it was just the way I felt you know, no disrespect to the club itself and, you know, doing the roundup, but I just want to get my own independent views out there and we struggled with the commentary sometimes because of the Wi-Fi and I'm looking forward. I've been in the press box for two years, and I'm looking forward to sitting back and actually watching it as a fan now. So I've had a bit of a topsy-turvy relationship with the club, obviously played for them, left the club, you know, but come back as a fan and, you know, won't change it for the world, mate. Um, You know, I'm opening, I'm only 23, I'm opening my lifetime, I can see success, like we had in the 80s, you know, so we'll see there. But what about you, mate? When did your love affair, if we can call it, started with the red and whites? Yeah,
0: you could probably call me a bit of a glory supporter, to be honest, mate, because I think my first game looking back was... uh... Rovers at Wembley in 97, when we beat Hunslet uh, uh, 60-14 in the Silk Cup plate final. Uh, yeah. So, I, you know, I don't have, I mean, to be fair, mate, my, my memory is shocking. So, I could have been before then, but uh, <laughs> my fa- family with big Rovers fans, my nan, my mum, my auntie, they, they used to travel travel all over the country watching... Watching the red and whites, and they filled me with great stories of the club growing up. And I probably, I think I probably had a shirt before I actually went to a game. Um, and I suppose it's one of them things, isn't it? When when your family get you involved in in something, you you um you tend to follow their their path. Um, and then since then, mate, I've just yeah, season ticket holder. You know, go robbers uh, every home game. Try and go to as many as away games as we can. Um, I'm fortunate enough now I've got my, I managed to get my wife into supporting the club. I've got my little boy who, who goes along and it's, and it's become a real family affair for us. You know, it's something that we, we look forward to on a Sunday, which is, which is why the coronavirus and the current situation we're in is, is sort of hitting us hard like it will be a lot of supporters because, you know, that becomes your Sunday, Friday night ritual. You know, whenever it is, that's what you, you, you almost plan your week by because, you know, it's it's what you look forward to. So, yeah, I mean, playing rugby, league, I'd uh, you know, played amateur up to about the age of seventeen. Um, big old city fan like yourself, Joe. So my time's always been divided between going to watch Rovers and going to watch City. Um, but like you said, what well, you know at the very start, there's a bit of a gap in the market for for Rovers fans and 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 having their opportunity to voice their opinions other than on Twitter and Facebook. Um, so it's a it's a really exciting journey for us, and you know, like we said, what we're all as fans, and we want the best for the club, and and you know, I think this can only be a positive for for us, for us and the club, to be honest, Joe.
1: Yeah, let's hope so. Um, you know, it is a bit of a love affair that we've mentioned and you mentioning, you know, taking your wife and your son now. Obviously, I'm not at that stage yet, but me and my partner, Holly, she'd never watched Rovers and she comes and, you know, she loves it. It's just that it's a family thing, is it? And I think with COVID, people are missing it. I mean, my last game that I physically went to um, was the Lee Centurions Cup game in March 2020. It's, you know, you don't realise how much you miss it. And, you know, when it's behind closed doors, this podcast can hopefully bring the fans a little bit closer to the club because it's going to be you know almost 12 months if we're lucky that we're going to have got back into the stadiums and that's if everything works with this vaccine and we won't go into anything like that but even with the season being pushed back to the 25th of March you can't tell me that there's going to be seven and a half thousand Rovers fans in that round one game not a chance and I just think you know we're lucky that we can be able to do this and that we're so in touch with the club on social media and the games behind closed doors. I think it worked really well, you know, working under the circumstances. Whatever happened at the end of the season happened. It was always going to be a struggle to get a full season in. Um, but, again, we just want to be that middle man. And, you know, I wouldn't change him for the world as much as I slag him off and as much as it, these past few seasons have hurt. And, you know, how annoying it gets me when you lose games, you know. You know, you, we love Rovers, don't we? Yeah. And, we And that's the thing, you know, we just want people to appreciate how much passion we have for the club and we want them to come on. And we just want... If this can be, like just something for the fans to listen to on a Monday morning and, you know, oh, God, the um, the Red Robin podcast, nice one, it's out tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that episode because this is happening or that's happening. You know, we just want to mix it up and make it fresh for the fans. And, you know, I have a good feeling about it, mate. I think we've both got links. We've both got a lot of people on social media who've given us our support and it can only grow better. And hopefully we can work with 2021 as a successful for all Kingston Rovers because 2021, the best, mate.
0: Yeah, and just rounding up, I think... If people have already started following us on our our Twitter and Facebook accounts, you know they don't. You know they'll see we don't take things too seriously. You know we're not. You know you, we're not. We, we don't profess to be experts about the club, and we don't profess to be experts about rugby league. But we want to have a bit of a laugh, a bit of banter, uh, talk about the club, talk about performances, uh, and and like we said, we want this to be positive. So you know, if if you haven't yet followed us, uh, we are on Twitter, we are on Facebook. We'll give links out later on. In the cast, um, but to round up, Joe, we're gonna we're gonna go into uh, a review of last season, and we're gonna talk about uh, some of the signings and recruitment we've made uh, during the close season.
2: Ball though, and they are in. Sam Powell inside nine minutes, and Wigan, the leaders, break the deadlock longest-serving player, and Lytton with the scampering run. Lytton is away, Jez Lytton, he's got support on his inside. They're going to go in here with Mincella. They cut Wigan to ribbons there. The lead for the first time, Lytton gets the ball away. Here's Mincella, now it's Abdul. Lewis, brilliant pass for Minican, and they are in. Hold it. It's Will Dagger who plays it quickly for Abdul, Jordan Abdul. Examining this Wigan defence, what a pass that is! Back on the inside for Mincella! It's two for Elliot Mincella! Desperate to hit back. Harry Smith, short ball, nice line as well from Isa. He might just bring the ball into the back of Harry Smith. And some really nice footwork from Harry Smith. Lead by four points, Hulkington Rovers, last one. Central position, Litton. Abdul, Lynette spinning away. Let's dump the ball back to Abdul. Abdul finds Minikin, and they do strike. 30 seconds before half Can't
1: wait for it. Goal.
2: Last one. Abdul. High Just kick. High. Palm back. Abdul is there. Abdul looking for the Just line. Five. He's so close. One an enough. Load and Hadley's in. Dean Hadley gets the first try of the second half
0: sometimes Come hookers down. go too Come much down. on a win when something so else is on but he's
2: picking three. the right times to run Jez Litton. no Matt Parcell for the Robins today Jez Litton stand out so far here is Lynette brilliant pass again back from Dagger it's another try and it's a hat-trick for Greg Minikin epic performance so far from Hawkingston Rovers a man down and Hastings immediately takes advantage Litton keys under pressure does get the kick away We have got a penalty for a late shot on keys he takes a tumble soon as he's hit do you think it's
1: a late tackle I thought he doesn't like the style the manner does he he's not got his arms in a wrapping motion that always goes against you
2: Hawkinson Rovers third kicker
0: well Joe that was probably as good as it got in,
1: wasn't it yeah, it was indeed, mate. I think 2020 are living in the memories of everyone for being probably one of the worst years in existence. And that's definitely the case with the, Red, um, with the Red Army and the Old Kingston Rovers. I think, you know, obviously it started pre-season at Wakefield with Mossy having that horrific injury, which we all know what's happened. And Weller Araki picking up an injury as well. And that set the tone really, didn't it, for the year. Um, first game of the season, um, end of January, Really good victory, 30 points to 12 against Wakefield. Um, ben Crooks scoring four tries. It was absolutely unbelievable performance. And you thought, Do you know what? We haven't got them star quality names, especially in the half-backs and stuff. But Tony's bringing in his team and it seems to be working well. And then you go... The week after, go over to the west side of the city, play the black and whites, and you know, probably score the best try you'll ever see at Froakingster Rovers in a long, long time. A bit of a wide to west situation. And just coming up short, 25 16, we just like that grunt. But you thought, you know what, we're not the most skillful side, but we'll always give 110%. And then after that, four embarrassing defeats, you know, 52 10 at Leeds and 28 8 against Cass at home. And then obviously, that you look after. Lock and um, lockdown. You know, you're talking four wins all season, mate. Yeah, first game of the season, and one in the Challenge Cup against the Championship team in Lee. Um, we know was eleventh place for a reason. we just a zero point one seven six win percentage and or six points if you want to call it. And it's normal where that it will be back in 2021. But you know, and the Challenge Cup quarterfinal. But you know, that was kind of rigged. One, it we got a buy and lost forty eight eighteen to the eventual winners in Lee um, yeah, pretty poor season, mate. Um, and I think you can always tell when there's such an overall of players, which we'll discuss in a minute after, you know, you'll give your opinion on the 2020 season. We'll speak about who's gone and who's coming to all Kingston Rovers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right, Joe. Right, yeah. I mean, the they, they stats finished 11th in the table with just six points. You know, we won three games, we lost 14, drew none. We conceded the most amount of points, five hundred and twenty-six points, and that was obviously despite not playing all of our our scheduled games. And we scored the least amount of points, just two hundred and ninety points. So um, the the stats don't lie. Do they? I mean, one stat that we we probably uh, don't get mentioned with the league table is the fact that we, you know, travelled the most amount of miles. Um, you know, I think playing not playing games uh, close to close to home had a big factor. On the team, um, you know, I don't think it's an excuse for some of the performances that they did serve up. But it certainly must have played a, a factor in um, having to constantly go over to Leeds and Allens, etc, etc, to play fixtures. Um, and, and the, the, the travelling just can't have helped the team whatsoever, can it, Joe?
1: No, and I think we was the only team, weren't we, not to play a home game that, post the first lockdown. Sorry, Chris. And I think it was right in some senses, you know, when it first happened and it was all behind closed doors they wanted everyone in the same place but then you look at it now, and playing a derby you know, 120 odd miles away in St Helens on Merseyside, it, it got pretty pathetic and I'm hoping even if we're not allowed back in for the opening few weeks or months whatever it may be, we don't know this minute I'm hoping it's just the normal if we're playing Wakefield at home it's not in Leeds, it's in Eastall and that's the same if we're away, you know to anyone, you know, we've got to go there because it, it equals it up, do not it, and you know, I think we we draw a line under 2020, mate, and we are positive towards 2021. But for me, just before we move on to this season, my player of the season was Elliot Minchella. Obviously, he was with the Rhinos about seven years ago. I had that incident, I think it was with Zach Hardaker as well, and he actually got binned off when Hardacre didn't. Um, Minchella's played at Bradford for a few years now and he's turned up and he's got that grunt about him. And, you know, he's back in um, first grade at Super League level. And I'm looking forward to seeing him kick on because his ball handling skills and his, you know, his tough as old boots, very similar to George Lawler. And hopefully he can lead from the front next year, working alongside some of the new signings that we are going to talk about. Um, and just to do- literally just to finish up on 2020, mate, I thought we dominated. We got dominated in the middle too many times. We need to toughen up and build around youth, like Mikey Lewis and stuff like that. So, with further ado, let's move on. Let's get rid of 2020, say bye, and <laughs> let's move into 2021, mate. I want to talk about the people who have left first. You know, we'll talk about them really quickly. Twelve in total. You've got um, a quadruple of players going to now Super League: Lee Centurions. you've got Jamie Ellis, Ryan Browley, Matty G, and Nathaniel Petteru. Obviously, Robbie Mulhern has swapped with Louis Johnson. He's heading to Warrington, where Louis is back at the Red and Whites next year. Mitch Garber is going to the south of France with Toulouse. And another person going to Toulouse with Lamou Grizzlies, I'm going to say. I hope it's pronounced right. It's Carl Trout. Dan Murray is heading to Halifax, where Will Oaks is at Dewsbury. Elliot Wallace has gone to the Bradford Bulls on a year loan deal, but I doubt we'll see him again in red and white. That's just my opinion. Harvey Levert, obviously, wasn't contracted to us anyhow, mate. He's gone to Salford. And Weller Araki, captain last year, he's still a free agent. Um, There's talks that his wage demands has been too much for championship teams, but that's for another day, I'm sure, mate. What's your opinion? I think it's the right decision. You know, I I don't like the term Deadwood, but there's definitely a few people in there who, you know, they, they didn't have a future at all Kingston Rovers and Tony's done well getting rid of them all. And I think even though we've brought in less players, the people who have left, you know, rightly so.
0: Yeah, and and just on a, well, a Haraki, I've got a, on good authority that he's doing a bit of scaffolding at the moment, which is uh, which is a bit of a shame if you don't get fixed up for, for next season because he, uh, he was one of the players that I thought we might have kept hold of. But um, what I would say is that, you know, you've you just give that list of players of... of who's left and where they've gone and what you'd suggest is over then Robbie Mullen, and they've not really gone on to bigger and better things, have they? And maybe that's um, that's probably why we was where we was last season. You know, we've signed, you know, players who are on their day are probably capable of, of amazing things, but consistently over a season are, are just not quite there. And I think, um, like you said, that the fact that they've not gone to bigger and better clubs means that they're, um, you know, I think they're, um, it's a symptom of... Uh, of our season and it's probably pretty telling.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you look at Will Oakes, who signed um, from Wakey back in 2016, and we're always paid a fee, and I remember at the time, it was when I mentioned earlier, when the City of All Academy happened, you know, for the first few months, he turned up, and, you know, he was like, he's going to be amazing, this kid, made his debut at Wigan, and it just hadn't worked out for him, you know, he's he's got a young family, I think he's my age, 23, he's got two kids now, and, you know, I think he's happy and content, he's been playing in the Championship, Um, he's a West Yorkshire lad, and that just hadn't worked out. And I think, you know, you look at Petro, Mulhern, Garber, all prop forwards. And again, we, for Ulkingston Rovers, we need to dominate the middle of the park. And I think you do for out Super League. And we just hasn't, haven't done that. And hopefully with these signings that we're going to speak about now, mate, you know, for Jez, for Mikey Lewis, for Matt Parcell, it's going to speed Ulkingston Rovers up in attack because I think that's needed. So they're the guys who we've gone. And we'll speak about the people who are heading in now. Some really high-caliber signings, mate. And we'll start off with Albert Vetti from the Melbourne Storm. A two-year deal. A lot of two-year deals happening in Eastall this year. 54 games, four tries in um, NRL. Probably the best competition in the world by Country Mile. Hard-hitting runner. um, Not known for many minutes. Um, I think he does about 30, 40 a game. But if he can come on, you know, hard running, hard hitting, that's what we need, don't we? A No nonsense prop forward. And that's what we've definitely got in Albert Vetti.
0: Yeah, he, he comes with a great pedigree, doesn't he? And he's, um, he's, he's a standout signing, is I think especially when a lot of supporters wouldn't have expected a signing of that calibre. You know, we, we've, uh, we've been used to the last few years sort of ducking and diving, trying to get the best players that we can um, on limited budget. And the fact we've come out and signed someone like that is, um, you know, it, for me as a supporter, it's pretty surprising.
1: Yeah, it's definitely what we needed, mate. You know, there's some um, on his highlight. Really, you know, it's big hits every day of the week, and he, he loves a backline carry from kickoff as well, and that can set the platform. And another guy who's going to play next to him in the middle of the park, probably the most high, you know, high-profile name out of the Sims brothers, Corbin Sims, and um, the Fijian Nan caps for his country, along with his brothers Tarek and retired Ashton Sims, 141 games in the NRL, mate, two-year deal from St George. For me, the way he is, and I think he's really going to relish being in Eastall, um, especially when lockdown finishes, I think he's going to love the city, and he's the type of character that all Kingston Rovers need, an outgoing personality, just like his brothers are, you know, smash people on the field, gentlemen off it, I think that's definitely what Corbin is.
0: Yeah, and I think Tony Smith, he's big on, obviously, of course he's signing quality players, but what he's big on is signing personalities, and 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 you know people who, who will fit into into a, a team that he's he's trying to mould, and I think Corbin Sims fits that perfectly. Like you said, he's got the experience. Um, I'm sure his brother will told him all about Super League. Probably told him about Wilkinson Rovers. Um, he was he was one of he's the first overseas player to come over here, other than obviously Ryan Hall. Um, and and he seems to be settling in. You know, he's he's been putting on social media. He, he's trying to get around the area. He's trying to have a look and he seems to be someone who's really enthusiastic about signing for Old Kingston Rovers and also sort of being part of the club he he seems to really want to be uh, an Old Kingston Rovers player and it's it's refreshing for us as supporters.
1: Yeah, that's what we want though, we We want people you know, want to play for us, it's not just grabbing you know, hundred grand a year for two years and playing six games like we have done with a lot of Australians that we've had or overseas players, and obviously another player that we got from the NRL, mate. But he's an Englishman and probably the most high-profile signing out of you know out of them all. He's a living legend in my opinion, the most um, the prolific try scorer in England international history. Thirty-eight games, thirty-six tries you know, powerhouse of a winger, Ryan Hall. For me, massive Um, You know, there'll have been clubs after him. Obviously, he's based in Leeds, so there'll be a lot of West Yorkshire teams after him. For him to come and work with Danny Maguire, his good friend, and Tony Smith, you know... You, you don't win everything as a player and go to Sydney Roosters. I know it didn't work out, but the amount of tries he scored for both club and country and his yardage out of bad ball, which I think we struggle with massively with our wingers and centres, you know, he's going to be really good for all Kingston Rovers, I hope. And I'm looking forward to seeing him and Sean Kenny dowell
0: Yeah, and I mean, he's, he what is he, 105K? So it's like signing another forward in a way, innit? And, and like you said, he, he's, he's so powerful, and you're looking to get us on the, the front foot and attacking. But he's got finishing skills as well, you know. And, you know, we're talking about pro- probably one of the Super League standout players over the last 10 years, especially a winger. He's probably one the best winger that's played in the competition for, uh, you know, a good number of years. Done it on the international stage. He, he's been looking up for to go to the NRL only for a short period and I think we're very fortunate to have a player of that quality coming into our team because you know we, we, we've got some uh, you know Will Tate Ethan Ryan wingers who, who, who are maybe uh, good in the background but can they step up and do a full season maybe not but you've got Ryan Hall who can come in and if he, if he has an injury free season it, you know you you expect big things of him uh, next, this season
1: Yeah you would 100% mate and I think the final signing from um, the land down under is a massive one, mate. A few clubs, Gold Coast, Huddersfield Giants after this man. It's a player who's played knockout footy only four months ago. It's Brad Takarangi from Parramatta Reels, two-year deal. Parramatta fans gutted his left. You know, he's, he's really good in the air, which I think Abdullah and Mikey Lewis can work with. Is Named as a second row, but he can also play centre. He's played five eight. He can play a half back. Brad Takarangi just screams everything we need. A bit like Kane Lynette, just no nonsense. Played for New Zealand two years ago, mate. So he's definitely still got that calibre at 31. And I can't wait to see him linking up in the second row.
0: No, uh, what a fantastic job. You know, we're gonna talk about uh, Paul Lakin, but him, Tony Smith, Danny Maguire, you know, recruiting a player of that quality, six foot 107 K. Uh, played in playoff football last season, uh, played nearly 200 games in the NRL. You know, you're talking about a, a player, not not someone who's coming to the end of the career, not someone who's a bit part player. You're talking about someone who plays a key role in an NRL team and he's come to the Super League's bottom side. So the job they've done to recruit him and, and you know, he's a player that I'm, I'm definitely excited about. And also he is a big guy, but do you know what? He's got a bit of quality about him in terms of, how he can pass the ball, and especially his kicking game. So it's going to be really interesting to see where he does line up for us next season, because um, he's got he's got a lot of assets about him.
1: Yeah, he has. And I think just to note, obviously, Brad Takarangi and Albert Vetti. you know, we are still waiting on their um, visas. Um, Tony Smith mentioned that Albert Vetti's just had a child, um, and that obviously that baby hasn't got a passport yet. So they're hoping in the next two weeks, both Takarangi and Vetti will be at Old College Craven Park, which the two-week delay, mate, is probably best for us because then it gives them two weeks to do a bit more pre-season over there. And we've got two more signings to speak about, mate, before we wrap up this part. Louis Johnson obviously swapped with Robin Mulham. We know Louis, he made his debut for the Robins on loan in 2019 against the Black and Whites in that victory and yeah, where Matt Parcell scored with about two minutes to go. Just hasn't worked out for him, you know, paid a fee for him from, Wick, um, from Leeds, I believe, Warrington did. Really highly rated by their backroom staff, but Steve Price just hasn't fit Louis Johnson in anywhere. Only played 10 games in the past three years, played a lot more in reserve grade and on loan, but just that not worked out for Louis Johnson. One year deal, he's got a year to prove himself, Tony Smith said, and I think he played his best rugby with the Red and Whites, even though it was four games in a month, you know, short lived. But again, I think it can work really well in our favour.
0: Yeah, and I think it was a record signing when uh, Warrington did sign him. I think, for Tony Smith, I think for him, the fact he can play, you know, either uh, as a prop or as a second row, he's got that versatility. Um, he, he's young, obviously. He's still got a, a lot of his career ahead of him. When he came on loan to us, you know, he, he, you know, he wasn't a bad player. He showed a lot of promise, and I think that was enough to convince uh, Tony Smith that that he was a, a good prospect. And obviously, you know, let's be honest, the fact that we managed to move Robbie Mullane on, um, free up some wages to then bring in. Um, other players on the back of that Lewis Johnson you know he's, he's a body who's coming in and he'll be a I think he'll be a squad player but you know I'm optimistic that he might actually you know prove him you know like you said he's got a year to prove himself maybe that's what he needs that sort of kick up the backside to say come on you've got a year it's it's up to you now to make it make the most
1: of what you can yeah, he's got a lot of healthy competition in the forwards as well, mate. And obviously, Rovers were you know, were always full of injuries and we've always gone into the loan market. Normally, halfway through the season, people like Jason Chan and Tony Pollatua, who actually played in the Challenge Cup final for us. But we've got a different type of loan player. It was a bit of... Um, Bit mixed opinions on this one, mate. We've signed Moose Mustafa, a young 20 year old from Leeds Rhinos on a one year loan deal. Mainly played for Newcastle and Featherstone. He's played a game at Dewsbury as well. But he played four games over the period when Leeds were in the Challenge Cup final last season. Played really well, you know. He's a strong runner. He's not the most skillful, but he works. He's, he's a He's a tough tough cookie, runs as hard as he can and tackles. What you need to do really is a young prop forward making your way in Super League level. I think the argument is it's we've got people like Anisouma um, you know, Will Mayer, Will Ma, sorry, Owen Harrison, you know, Matty Stoughton who can play in the forwards. I don't think we're going to see Musma Stafford a lot in the red and white, mate, but um, what's your thoughts on that overall? It's kind of a, it's for us, if it don't work out, he goes back to Leeds and he's not on our wages, is he? But if it does work out, Again, it's that old saying, if he does really well for Rovers, he's going to go back for Leeds and be there prop forward next season, isn't it? It's a weird one. Well, I, th-
0: I think it's a little bit similar to Elliot Wallace. I think he's out of contract at the end of end of uh, next season. So he's coming obviously coming on loan to us. Um, and I think he's... Um, it's not a signing I'm particularly excited about because I think, like you've you mentioned some names there, I think he's potentially stunting the growth of uh, some of our academy players. Um, I mean... Paul Aikens obviously talks about how we they want to develop a uh, a team that's centered around our academy players. Um, so that's why I'm just surprised where Mustafa fits into that because I just I just don't think he's you know I don't think he's a player that we necessarily needed to sign when you look at some of the players that we've already got.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, mate. In here, but I'm sure we'll see all them signings feature. In 2021, who's the most you're looking forward to, mate? For me, I don't know. I've always liked Ryan. Always been linked with over a few years, and he um over the past like five or six years. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. But I think for caliber wise, got to be Brad Takarangi
0: Yeah, for me, I think it's. I think for me, I think we've struggled in the pack and we've struggled with consistency. So I think it's it's Carbon Sims. But you know, you, you really all of them. I want I want to see out on that pitch, and what I want to see him out is uh, on the pitch consistently.
1: Yeah, definitely. So they're the ins and outs of Hulkingston Rovers for 2021. Join us in a minute when we'll be speaking on all the off-field issues regarding Paul in the new CEO at Hulkingston Rovers.
0: My belief is the club has all the right ingredients to only progress through what will be a very difficult and financially challenging 2021. But Fourteenth anniversary in 2022, stronger and ready to kick on. We will spend the year looking for new investment, but we have uh, Chairman Neil Hudgel's incredible commitment to the club, and that gives us some immediate stability. Our on-field strategy is clear. We want to build a core team around the talent we develop through our academy, complemented with smart external recruitment. We've already seen several first team debuts this season as a result of the great work John Bastion and his coaching staff are doing and continued progress to our success. Do you think, Joe, that uh, the appointment of Paul Lakin is crucial
1: to uh, success going forward? Um, I believe so, mate. You know, that was from his open letter when he it to support us, supporters back in October. Um, and I think it was just the right time. You know, he's got a really impressive CV. Moving on to like Stoke, who was in the Premier League at the time and done other bits of business within Premier League football, which there's no higher sporting, you know, achievement, really. It's the biggest and best league in the world, in the most popular sport in the world. So he's been there, he's done that. And he knows so much about the club. He left in tw- uh, 2008 after promotion with Morgan and signing people like Ben Dobson and um, Clint Newton, their main signings, which he's done, you know, quite similar. Now, it with Brad Takarangi, Corbin Sims, Albert Vette, and I think with Mike Smith leaving as well, obviously his role as CEO, Neil um leaving his role as chairman. Paul's going to come in and revamp it all, and you know we're going to speak about what he spoke to the Old Daily Mail about, but he, he, he said. It's a really interesting reading. He's spoken about the financial issues of the club and about all the members and the purchases of the stadium, which we'll go into now. But for me... Paul Lakin definitely is the right man for the job. Hopefully we can get new investors, new buyers, and he can lead from the front. Because I think recruitment-wise, him, Tony Smith and Danny Maguire, they know what they want and they know what they're going to get. And they've certainly done that with the you know, the calibre of the signings they've got. And he's only been in his position three or four months. So positive start, mate. And I think he's definitely the right man to take us forward as chief exec.
0: Yeah, I feel for honest, I mean, Mike Smith has been a great servant to the club, hasn't he? He's, uh, I mean, he even stayed on post him uh, retiring uh, or, or leaving the club, and he's, he's stayed on the ship during the the coronavirus uh, pandemic. And you know, he's it, been crucial to bringing a lot of off-field investment and and making the club a lot more dynamic in what it does at Craven Park, such as hosting concerts, you know, hosting well-titled championship fights like. Luke Campbell and Tommy Coyle, etcetera, and he's managed to oversee that that period. But I think he he's probably maybe stagnated a little bit, and I think Paul Lakin is maybe the man to take us forward. Um, post Mike Smith
1: yeah I believe so mate definitely and I think working you know he's worked with Eddie Ann at Matt Truman having people like Little Mix Paul Eaton and Jackie Abbott um, you know have done concerts at Craven Park the past few years I mean you know Little Mix is the biggest scale band in the world mate you know that doesn't just happen overnight it's a lot of hard work and I think for the revenue and income you know the club gets I think we need to carry on doing you know doing these concerts and doing these weird events so, you know we even had a quidditch tournament a few years back at Craven Park so it's not just a rugby stadium and i think what we need to do is to become a big brand within you know the the European Super League, as they like to call it. We need to develop the West Stand, like he said, you know, the Roger Millwood stand, it's, you know, it's lacking its um colour a bit now. It needs a paint job and, you know, a bit of a revamp. And but what's interested me, mate, is um, and we spoke about it before we came on, uh, is this South Stand project he mentioned. Um, he's mentioned he's gonna put an LED um like a big screening like you get at major football grounds and you've got like your Wigan and services. Um so that means that South Stand that we've known is going to get changed which I think that's the right attitude I think the first first things first though, we've got to buy the stadium and he spoke about obviously over the festive period talks brought down due to people being busy and people going home for Christmas but that stadium purchase he hopes is only a few months away and doing that um, you know, you look at, obviously he's a football in Paul. Lake in the past 10-15 years, you look at Leicester 6-7 t- years ago that was in the Championship, they've come up, I know they have a lot more income and revenue than Old Kingston Rovers due to the stature of the sport, but their training facilities are unbelievable because they purchased their stadium and it's just these, it opens different paths and opens different doors, doesn't it mate, having this own stadium because we can control what's on it and hopefully in 5-6 years we can build a big training facility on there we can host concerts and boxing events events and wrestling if WWE comes over, it's little stuff like that that gets you money in, which we can put towards the club on and off the field.
0: Yeah, and and the reason they're looking for this off field investment is because, you know, obviously Neil Udell said he was stepping back from from the club and, and and he'd it was pretty sad really, wasn't it? Because he said he'd 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 uh, lost enthusiasm for the game, he's he'd lost sort of a bit of motivation and um, it, it was pretty sad to hear at the time when Neil O'Doul was obviously making the announcement. Hence, why they're they're trying to get this investment into the club. But I think it's worth remembering that you know Neil O'Doul is like a is a block on the street, isn't he? He's 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 a Rover supporter from and through, and he and he he shares the pain that we we feel, and he's he, but he's ready to dip his hand in his pocket, and thankfully he's managed to underpin the, the club during this uh, coronavirus. Uh, Pandemic. Um, I know the. I know Paul Lakin said that the the club's been um, underpinned by the fact that the the scheme and uh, the government loan that they've managed to obtain has helped the club massively. But it's important that you know we don't forget Neil Luddle. And although he said he's lacked his motivation to to be involved with the club and he's and he's looking to set back, that you know if it wasn't for Neil Luddle, the, the club won't be where we are where we are now. The, the club probably won't
1: exist in it at all. No, probably not, mate. You know, he started as a sponsor, didn't he? Just for the share, I think 2003, 2004, after the dark days, you know, when Klemka got us out of administration and stuff. And, you know, the money he's pumped in, mate. It's just a shame. that Him and Mike Smith, have done a lot of work. And, you know, if you love them or you hate them, they've put a lot of work in talking to the Rovers. And they haven't got much from it from the tenure. You know, they've got um, a promotion, a um, promotion, and the relegation and stuff like that, and obviously the Wembley um final, which ended in an embarrassment and probably would have been better if we wouldn't have got there in all um, all honesty. But I think it's a fresh start. Neil's, you know, is a solicitor, he's a lot, he's an independent guy, he likes to speak his mind. And I think he's come to terms with that. He doesn't like the way it has been run the Super League now. And that's you know, that's his opinion. He's stepping away, but we do need to appreciate how much they've done for this club and I think talking about people who have done stuff for the club we've still got 4,300 members signed up mate which is massive you know the people of East Hull and Hull and the surrounding areas working class people you know you know, um, nowhere near as much money as, like, your Neil Luggles and your chairmen of the club, but they've still pumped in a lot of money every month during this lockdown where people have been out of work, people have been furloughed, and for you guys, listen, obviously 4,300 a year, and hopefully we can get to that 5,000 mark, Chris. It's absolutely brilliant, in it, that they're still putting their money in. Um, I've been a bit of a freeloader past two years, mate, obviously working for the club I ain't got a pass, but, you know, I'm back sat with my family now in the north stand, and started paying me way again monthly, and it's just good to seeing it that that fan base is still there. And obviously, when this vaccine gets rolled out, we can start getting back into the stadiums. their num- them numbers are going to rise, mate.
0: Yeah, it's. In, I mean, it's incredible support. You've got four thousand three hundred people who are who are basically paying to a club that's, um, you know, not very successful, unfortunately. And I think the uh, the, the the as much as a uh, the the club have been so successful in what they've done uh, in terms of engaging with supporters, etc. The the one little beef that I've got is that the the last season, you know, we've all been paying money into the club. We've only seen a few home games, um, but we're paying monthly. We don't seem to have seen much money, uh, much coming back to us as supporters, um, and there's not much noise coming out of the club either to say that it's going to change. And it just aches for me a little bit because we're all paying, you know, good money and. In reality, we've not got a lot back, um, even though it's testing times, I understand that. But we, we we seem to have been forgotten about in that in terms of, you know, if we hadn't kept paying our money, the club would have would have gone under. And it just seems a little bit disappointing that the, the club haven't taken many measures yet. to Whether that changes, hopefully it will, but they don't seem to have taken many measures yet to, to address that.
1: Yeah, and obviously with this national lockdown again, um, it's not helping, is it? I mean, there's only so much that can do, but I, I agree with you. I'm hoping once, you know, if it's life gets back to as normal as it can do that. Some that happens for especially um fans, you know, I'm being lucky, I am being paying my pass obviously due to what I just said earlier, but for you guys, you know, if you've got a family package, mate, it's you know you're talking an early hundred quid a month if you've got four or five of you, so it's a lot of money for people, and you know, I am hoping that the club gives something back, and I'm hoping they will because I think Paul Lakin knows the fans, and you know, he understands that they're the vital backbone of this club. But two things I do want to mention, mate, um, before um we end this part and stuff, what he mentioned in Old Daily Mail, first rebadging um, for me. Wigan and Salford have done it, it's not really. It's been mixed opinions. There's two talking points because it can revenate with the younger supporters and it can really get them on board and it's to do with Sky and, and looking pretty, if we'll call it. But for me, I'm a bit of an old fogey and I like the traditions and I like the badge the way it is. But what's your opinion? Do you think we'll rebadge?
0: Well, it's interesting because um, it seems to have been... Obviously, the supporters have not led this uh, demand for change, but it seems to be Sky Sports, and obviously Sky Sports are the biggest funder of the game. Um, so, you know, normally if they demand a change, it normally happens. I think uh, we're a club that celebrates its tradition and its history, and we're, we really look after our heritage. So it'd be sad to see us go away from something um, that really links us back to our past. That said, I, you know, we're a progressive club. We look to make change. We look to make improvements. And I can understand why the club are looking at it because the reason for it is to, to become more digitally um, markable. And so, you know, if the need's there, then I suppose it's something to look at. All I hope is that they involve supporters in the dialogue and they, and they speak to us and they ask our opinions and any bad changes that are made is, is done in full consultation with the supporters which I don't think happened when Wigan and Salford made their changes. Um, and I think they just sort of railroaded the supporters into it, um, which I hope as a club we don't do.
1: Yeah, they kind of just jumped into it, didn't they, with this, you know, this hashtag never going to stop. Wigan did, didn't they? And obviously um, Salford going when the Devils are rising. And we can work around that Um something to do with Rovers if that ever happened. But, you know, you People have a, a lot of opinions on Derek Beaumont and what Lee Centurions do in their marketing and stuff like that and their signings. But I think what worked really well for them, I think they put about three or four kits home and away. kits, different designs, different styles with the same sponsors that they're going to use for this Super League season. You know, and just ran a poll and, you know, just ran opinions, what they're prefer. And I think that's how they decided their kits. So we could maybe, you know, we could maybe do that with them. Um, our badges put it out there for the fans, um, and another thing I wanted to mention, mate. You mentioned we mentioned this South Stand project earlier. Obviously, they want to get a big, um, a screen that'll put the scores on. Um, hopefully, Rovers are winning. It doesn't happen much anymore, does it? But um, so we can see, you know, with even when they're reading, when Neil Rudds reading the um, the teams out, I'm sure like a little animation will come on, and that breed success I think even though it's, that sounds daft and putting a little animation on it just looks more professional I think that's what Paul has obviously seen at Premier League teams he's seen that development in technology and how much technology and social media is used you know to get that brand out there because it, you know it is a brand it might be a rugby club and it's our life just ourselves and a lot of supporters but it is a brand but for me i and i think like we do need another stand in that south stand you and myself and you have been to the club the past two weeks been to, and it hasn't been knocked down some rumours were that it had been knocked down it hasn't um i'd like to see a little stand you know for the away fans i don't agree with them being in the colin on north stand that's just me being a bit petty and stuff but for me i'd maybe like a brand new south stand where you can you know shove the away fans in um, and and the fans can have the north fully but i definitely think the technology needs to be developed around the stadium and in five or six years, you know, I'd like to see a state-of-the-art training facility, so you know, it's like Craven Park's like, I'm not going to compare it, I don't mean All Trafford, because I know we're never going to get like that, but like a campus, like the Etihad campus, where there's so much stuff for the academy, you know, for the training facilities, that's the dream, isn't it, mate, to have everything under one roof.
0: Yeah, what I'm really interested about, especially about that South Sand project, is that um, in the same interview, Paul and said that the um the priority would be to develop the west stand, so it's really interesting to wonder what they're going to do with the south stand because it is still there; it's not being knocked down. Obviously, it's a it's a great place to quarantine uh, the supporters who come from across the bridge, but in reality, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't it, You know, you do, it never gets filled, Um so it'd be interesting to see what that project is. But also, you know, let's be honest, the west stand is sort of showing it's it's time. You know, and and when the club are increasingly looking to attract investment from outside sources, the best way of doing that is through sponsorship, etc. And at the moment, you can't deny the the West End doesn't it doesn't just you know it's probably served its purpose, and I can understand why they want to to develop that face. So it be it's really interesting times, and and it'll be interesting to see how they do develop the ground going forward.
1: Yeah, totally agree, mate. It needs a lick of paint. I'll tell you that. I was in it last season. It's, uh, you know, it's had a bit of a paintwork it needs. And I think you could I maybe would, bring I a would, few I wouldn't other know, seats.
0: Joe, because I'm I in <laughs> the cherish, <laughs> whereas you're going the, uh, the prom, with the prawn sandwich brigade. So I, I wouldn't know what it's well, looking like at the moment.
1: Well, I'm, I'm glad that I can come off um, Facebook Live because I've got my suit on now. So um, that's what I'm used to when I um, talk about Hull K.R. But um, yeah, I think there's so much stuff and it's really positive, mate, you know, just to wrap up this part of speaking about Paul Aiken. But again, big wraps to Mike Smith and Neil Joel. You've definitely helped steer the club in the right direction. And, you know, positive things, mate. So let's hope 2021 Paul Aiken's first season back on and off the field success for Hull K.R.
0: With Tony Smith telling us that he's happy with what he's got, it looks like there won't be any more arrivals ahead of the new season. With that in mind, Joe, let's take a look at your squad for the opening game of the season.
1: Yeah, well, I'll go through it, mate. Um, so, for me, I think the back 500% is going to be Quinlan, Crooks and Minikin on one side, and Sean Kenny Dowell and Ryan Hall on the other side. Obviously, Minikin and SKD in the centre, and Crooks and Hall on the wing. Abdul, he might be having the number seven share, but he's definitely playing six for me with Mikey Lewis as seven. I think them two worked really well together. And I think what you've got to look at, you know, there's big shoes to fill, you know, from Danny Maguire and maybe, you know, club legends like Dobson and stuff like that in the halfbacks. But um, Leeds give Maguire and Burrow the chance when there was 18 19. So it's time for Rovers to do the same for Mikey Lewis and he gets the seventh share. Front row, I've gone Albert Vetti, and starts at nine for me and Corbin Sims as 10. I think starting Jez over Matt Parcell, I discussed it actually on our Twitter page, mate. I think Jez is really good at creating, dictating the pace and he can get in behind um, you know, the prop forwards of the opposition team and he can set the pace, tie the middle out by his um, darting runs outfield like we saw in the victory against Wigan last year and Matt Parcel can come on after 20, 25 minutes. For me, it doesn't really make a difference though. They're very similar players, but for me, I'd like to see Jess starting in this back row, obviously Brad Takarangi and Kane Lynette. And Elliot Minchella gets the 13 shirt for me. On my bench, I've had a little bit of a mix-up, mate. Um, On my bench, I'm going to put Dean Hadley. Um, George King is going to go on my bench as well. Matt Parcell and... You know, you've got Matty Staughton and George Lawler. I can't really decide. You know, there's a few of them. I think all's gonna go off form, isn't it, mate? But I think it's good that we're discussing, you know, George King, George Lawler, Matty Staughton, you know, where we're gonna fit them in. And obviously you've got like Will Marw, I didn't mention Louis Johnson, Mus Mustafa, Annie Suma Dotti. Um, and I think that's that's good that we've done that recruitment where you've got eight-and-arm players who aren't even going to get a game, um, which isn't good for their development, but hopefully they can get some kind of rugby. Um, maybe if that's on loan at the Championship, if we're still affiliated with Jewsbury, which I'm sure we are. Um, a few ex-Robins at Jewsbury now, with Joe Wardle and Will Oaks um, and Brad Claver and stuff like that. So, for me, that's my starting 17, mate. Um, I'm going to say George Lawler gets the nod of uh, Matty Stoughton. What about you? Is yours different to mine?
0: Yeah, well, it's pretty much... I mean, I think they, you know... Full-back, wingers, centres, pretty much pick themselves, don't they? Um, so I've gone Queensland, Co- uh, Crooks, obviously Kenny Dowell, Minikin Hall. Obviously, I've gone Abdul-Lewis um, at half-back. I've gone Lawless starting. Yeah. And then I've gone Arcel and Sims. I've got Takarangi and Linnet second row, and then Minichella. And then on the bench, I've gone Jez Litton, uh Albert V, uh, King and Stoughton. Um I suppose biggest... Uh, difference yours is Lawless starting at prop
1: yeah I mean obviously when I spoke at the beginning of the show I mentioned when I was at the academy in 2015 we was actually short of um short of forwards at the time and um, you know George had left all FC when he was 14 15 and he was playing for Westall men's team he was only um 18 19 at the time and he came in and Honestly mate, you know, it's you know, I don't want a brown nose, but he came in and absolutely fitter than any of us, stronger than any of us, and it was like, God, this kid's, you know, really good. And he actually made his debut that season um against Widnes the week before the Challenge Cup final and you know he's come on leaps and bounds. And how good he is ball handling, mate, as well. So I like to see him in the second row and the back row. I think in the you know, playing as an eight or ten as a prop. Sometimes I think he's limited of what he can do. Um but him and Minchella very similar. I want him to run at the line give that option of either running at the forwards or passing, because I think we're very one-up rugby the past few years and we need to change that up. But we've got some ball-handling forwards now in Takarangi Kane Lynette. You saw what he did against Wigan um, in that victory for um, assists. So we've got a really good squad depth. I've noticed Dean Adley, don't get in your start in 17. For me, I think he plays every week, mate. He's a workhorse. He can do 80 minutes. He's not the most exciting player, but he does the hard graft, and I think that's what we need. Um, I want to apologise because last season, um, after that Wakefield game, I did slag George King off, but for me, I've looked at his highlights. I thought he did really well in the derby, and I hope he proves me wrong this year because he can, he can go on the bench for me as well because he, he obviously had something in him, mate, playing for Warrington. And Wakefield, over 60, 70, first-grade appearances, he's only a young kid, obviously brothers with Toby, who's still at the wire. Um, so for me, I think the forwards, we've got a really strong squad depth. I'd like to have seen us bringing another half-back, in my opinion. Um, again, it might work in our favour with Mikey and Abdul. We can build the next five, six years around them. Um, and obviously, you've got Will Dagger and Quinlan, who can play in the span at full-back. But I just think we're lacking that bit of experience. I think we know what Abdul can do. It's if he can be consistent. That was always his problem at Hull. And he had absolutely some world beaters, um, well-beaten games for all last season, but then some games he touches the ball about nine times. Um, and for Mikey, he's raw, he's inexperienced, done really well in League One and the Championship. For me, if we had that experienced halfback who could slot in, Mikey could play ten games in the Championship where it's tough, he it can dominate that pack, he can become a leader because I think it's going to be tough for him to come in. But, these prop forwards like Corbin Sims and Vettie and Tagarangi, hopefully they'll work well. And Mikey Lewis has got a great coach in Danny Maguire, the best halfback in Super League history, in my opinion, and Tony Smith, who really rates him highly, so he's definitely one to watch in 2021, mate. But for you, Dean Adley, how come you don't get him?
0: Yeah, I just... Do you know what? I'm, I, I think we Rovers have gone uh, for too long down the road of sort of... And, and this is not a criticism of of... of Uh, Dean whatsoever because I think he's a a fantastic player but we seem to go with uh, players who can play in a number of positions and I think ultimately that's maybe why Dean left uh, that team from the other side of the river that we don't really talk about because Mm -hmm. he didn't didn't make a position his own maybe and he was quite versatile and you know I, I, I just think we've got players who are specialists in their position and we can look to bring on. Um the biggest concern for me is well I've got two actually, Quinlan at full back. Because if if he if his injury record continues as it as it has, then Dagger's gonna be the, the our main full back. Um and then the halfback partnership between Abdul and Lewis, um I reckon Tony Smith might throw a curveball ball in there and go with Keys. Although I I'd prefer to play Lewis. I think Tony Smith might actually go with Keyes. Um, Be a, just, yeah that's
1: a big shout isn't it that
0: because I think I just think he's as obviously I know it's a, a lot of it was in the championship with Bradford but he's played a lot more first grade rugby and I think Lewis is still raw um, and when I mean last season we went through that we had uh, Breley, Ellis and Abdul and we went sort of through that rotation whether we was forced to it because of injuries or whether Smith actually wanted to do it we seemed to rotate the, the halfbacks and I wonder if he's going to go with that that down the uh this season um but I would still like to see another experienced halfback in there because there's are such crucial positions.
1: They are, mate. And I think, you know, Declan Patton, he was heavily linked with Rovers at the time. Obviously, an English halfback back He won the class on the quarter spot. And, you know, he played really well in the back end of last season. And again, it's too many cooks spoil the broth. Obviously, we've got Rowan Milnes as well, who was a young halfback, And he can come in maybe, or he might go back on loan to Bradford or Jews, ever in the Championship. But for me, you know... I don't, again, I don't, it's early days. We don't want to slag players off. For me, I think if you've got Keys as your half-back, I think we're going to struggle. Um, I would like to see Mikey there. You know, it's dividing an opinion um, on a lot of fans, really. So again, leave your responses on our social media pages. Who gets the nod at back for you?
0: <laughs> Let, let's be honest though, Joe. I mean, Mikey Lewis is going to be the poster boy. You know, he? he's, he's the he's the go-to man for fans because he is. He he's grown, is. grown. He's come from the academy. Obviously, he's a supporter of the club. His family are you know support the club. So, any time things are going shit and he's not playing,
1: who do you go to? That's the thing. It's very much if we lose and he doesn't play, it's definitely put him in it. But it's not all about that. His development's key. And again, working with Danny Maguire and stuff, you know, it's going to be massive. But it's definitely a talking point, mate, the halfbacks. But you look at kind of the journeyman who, you know, for us in this team now, you've got Jimmy Carnos picks up the number 33 shirt. Obviously, the best debut I think I've ever seen scoring in the last second against the (laughs) Black and Whites in 2019... But apart from that, he's, he really struggled, didn't he, playing for Ulcai and he, him, I think him and Junior Vava, that partnership was one of the worst defensively I've ever seen. And obviously, Vava went to Toulouse and Carnos, you know, went on loan to York City Knights. Obviously, COVID disrupted the championship season last year. And he came back and I think Jimmy offers you some, but he's obviously not in Tony's his plans if he's got um, number 33 shirt. And there's a lot of young kids in there as well, you know, from 30 to 32. You've got Will Tate, Tom Ware and Charlie Kavanagh. I know... Will Tate obviously played last year a few games. But for me, he needs two seasons in the Championship, mate. Playing at first grade level, I think he's a, a long way off. Yeah. Um, Charlie Cavanaugh comes with really good, um, really good raps from the academy, from Jason Neverton and Ben and A really good hooker, apparently. And he's going to be working with Jez and Matt Parcell. And Tom Ware, I do apologise to Tom. I don't know much about the kid. But again, being the, them young kids, we've missed that. The bat numbers in any strong side is always the academy. You look at Saints all the young prospects get first-team shirts and train with the first team, whereas we've kind of missed that. And I think having them lads in, same as Annie, Annie Sumadotti, Rowan Milnes, Joe Keys, um, even Owen Harrison and Ethan Ryan, for some extent, they're all with the first team, they're all developing, and that's heading in the right direction, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's the, probably the last player you mentioned there, Ethan Ryan. I think he's one of our most ex- exciting players. He is, you know, he's
1: really good, mate. He
0: it, it and and... <laughs> it's really hard, isn't it? I, because you've got now you've got Ryan Hall on the wing, obviously you've got Crooks uh on the other wing. You know, he's gonna find it tough to play. Um I just hope he don't become I don't know, a a, a player who, who, who's almost stunted by um the players in front of him because he, he, he's so exciting and we obviously we've seen that um some of the tries he scored and the I think he scored one for his last... I can't remember what it was against, where he he almost did a full somersault. To, Saints. To Saints. Was it Saints? Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, he's an incredible player. And, but it, it's such a hard... And, and I think this is a symptom of us struggling for so long in that we don't have the opportunity to develop these youngsters because we're all... Every result literally matters uh, because we're fighting, you know, relegation or, or finishing bottom. And, and this is what I hope to see is that actually
1: we have a bit more of a steady season. Two players for me was a bit make or break. And if you want to say something different when I finish, go ahead. For me, they've got one year left of the contracts. It's 19 Will Dagger and 21 Owen Harrison. For me, I think Owen's six foot five, 110 kilos, don't use his size, don't get involved in the game um, enough for me. And that's just my honest opinion. I don't rate him as a player. And I, again, I hope he proves me wrong. I don't want to slag the kid off on of episode one. But for me, I think he's got to show a bit more You know, going in when he does get a chance. A game last season, Uddersfield on a Thursday night on the Our League app. You know, I think he played 35, 40 minutes. Took about two drives in. And Will Dagger a really mixed opinion on this one, mate. He played a lot. He's played a lot of games because of Quinlan's injuries. But some of the stuff he does, I mean, he's kicking, um, kicking from um, the middle of the park restart. He, at least two times a game he seems to put it on the full and I think his positioning in attack for a kid who's played almost 60 first grade games it's got to be better and he's, he's had some big raps from England Academy Wakefield and Wigan, um, Warrington sorry um, and for me it's just not working for Will Dagger at the minute and I hope this one year deal same as Louis Johnson and same as a few people have got it really gives him a kick up the arse and you know they can prove that they've actually got Super League calibre within them
0: yeah I mean especially on Will Dagger. Um, you know, I think at the end of last season, I said, actually, well, maybe should cut our losses with Quinlan. And because, just because of his yeah, injury. I right. agreed. You know, I, I, you know, I'm persevere with Dagger, because I think a lot of the things you've alluded to is a symptom of not playing week in, week out. And, mm. and some of the decision making, you're right, he's it, a bit erratic, but he's such a brave kid as well. He put he puts himself in incredible positions He's got that turner pace, and I just think with a bit more a bit more game time at first grade, he he could be a fullbacker we're talking about for a number of years. But
1: he's got. got say, sorry, mate, go on.
0: No, I was just gonna say, but we're talking about the here and now, and the here and now is your best players have got to play. Yeah. Uh, and this is what I hope about Quinlan is that we don't get a, another injury hit season because because what that'll do is Quinlan will leave and Dagger won't develop and then daggerly, and then we're back in, you know, our fullback position, is then you're looking at new recruits. So it's a... It's a re- well, this is why we're not the head coach of all Kingston Road, because you've got some t- tough decisions to make.
1: Yeah, and I think Dagger's got that X-factor about him, aren't we? And he's very similar to Greg Eden in 2013, 14 for the Robins. You can, you want to, you know, you just want to hit him on the back of the head and go, "Come on, get your act together," because he does these brilliant things. And then he just looks like he's playing, you know, East Park on a Saturday afternoon. Some of the stuff he does. But for me, just this question before we finish, mate: Would you rather Quinlan gone? Dagger got the one shirt and go big on an experienced half-back? Because in my opinion, I think that'd have been the best way going forward.
0: Yeah, I think I think if you're talking if you're talking about pure finance, I think you're right. I think yeah. you put the team down on paper, you know. Quinlan makes our team stronger, so much stronger. Um, but from a from a overall perspective, you might have been right. And and I suppose uh, Smith has said, and he? he's happy with the squad he's got. Is there going to be another curveball? Is there going to another be uh, another halfback coming in? We, were, You know, the season's now sort of been delayed by two weeks, so there's still a bit more opportunity. Um, But if we're going to go with what we've got, I'm going to, yeah, you're right. I'll finish with the fact that um that might be one of the things that I'd have probably changed at the end of last
1: season. Yeah, totally agree, mate. So, obviously, that's it. That's the first ever episode of the Red Robin podcast done. I don't know about you, Chris, but I've really enjoyed myself, mate. I love getting back on the mic. Talking about something we love and I think it's gone really well and hopefully the viewers go up, people spread the word. We put it everywhere on all social media. We've got link link tree now so you can access everything quite easily. Yeah.